0: Let's love the Lord. Hallelujah. God, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I know you're wondering what I'm doing. I am not looking for feathers, praise God. I mean, when you're a naked rooster, you need all the help you can get. Okay, okay. There's some pictures you get in your mind that (laughs) they're hard to get out. Praise God. (laughs) I told Brother uh, Godare and uh, Brother Cornwell, I'd give somebody $100 for two feathers right now. Praise God. I'm going to let you be. Seated, I've got uh, some uh, preliminary remarks that I'd be tacky if I didn't make. First of all, I appreciate very kind remarks uh, that have been made towards Brother Goder and I. There's two things come to mind. First of all, those kind remarks and four or five dollars will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Praise God. The second thing is, as I heard. Brother, and that's kind of him to make him. I don't believe him, but that's kind. Uh, heard J.T. Pugh talk one time how that years ago he was preaching in a camp meeting. And things were apparently going very, very well. And uh, he had received so many compliments. He was really, he said he really got into it. He was really enjoying it. And he was walking across the campgrounds and had really been soaking it up. And he said the Lord spoke to him. And said, What if these people knew you like I do? Oh, yeah. And he got humbled like real quick. And I've never forgot that story. And uh, so uh, thank you for the kind remarks. <laughs> but we're under no illusions here. Praise God. I want to say it is good to be with good, 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 good friends. Good to be with Brother, again, Brother Kahn. Good to be with Brother Riggins. Of course, Brother Cornwell. And all the brethren we mentioned last night, we love you very, very, very much. It's good to see Brother Weiser. God bless this man. He's studious, hardworking, give himself to the gospel individual, and we love and appreciate him. He's got some books out there that if you love church history, you need to get. It's also good to see Brother Calfont. God bless him. Long time Kansas Warrior. God bless him. And I think he's got some books out there. I've got some books out there, um, and they are. I'm, I'm, I'm running a special on them because I don't want to take them home. Praise God. And uh, so uh, they're cheap, and if you grab me after service, I will be very happy to sign one of those books. And And if you'll take one of those books with my signature to any Starbucks and give him four or five bucks, they'll give you a cup of coffee, praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to see Brother Muncie. God bless Brother Muncie and his son. God bless them. And uh, these are California boys from way back. They're not boys anymore, but, but uh, it's so, so good to see him. We love and appreciate them. And my friend Brother Dykes. You know, it's dangerous to do what I'm doing because I know I'm going to forget somebody and hurt their feelings, and if I forget you, forgive me. I'm so sorry, but Brother and Sister Dykes, we've known them many years, and they are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. We love and appreciate them. And the brothers, Nance, drove up from, from Oklahoma. God bless them. I appreciate that. And Brother Dykes drove up from Oklahoma. Anybody else? And, and Brother and Sister Townley. Drove up from Oklahoma. When I, I, I described myself last night, when I first came into the church, that skinny, pants-patched, sockless, scarecrow with his hair down to here, they were there. And, and they're part of the people that scooted up their kids real close when they looked back and saw us. But they were instrumental in the beginning process of fattening me up. And so for that, we are forever, um, I don't know if I'm glad or not. But anyway, uh, you got the ball rolling in that direction, and it never stopped going downhill. Praise God, and we love them. And good to see Brother Elder and Sister Elder and his mother. God bless, love, 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 love the elders. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. And uh, my good friend. Brother Johnny Godare and you are the loser tonight. Uh, I wish he was preaching here. He, and I'm, this is not a mutual admiration society, but I'm telling you that in this kind of a setting and atmosphere, there is no equal to Johnny Godare He, this man, is hooked up to 440 and uh, double carbure- carburetor Hemi, Hemi. Uh, high-octane gas, and everything else. This this guy can get it done. And I begged him to preach this morning. He he does have a head cold, but he has to preach twice tomorrow. And so he'll pay for this, and you'll be double-blessed. So everybody said, praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. Let us see if I left anybody else out. Okay. Anybody here like me? I mean... That I'm supposed to like you real good. Brother and sister Chenault. This is, these folks is like my mother and father. And I kid you not, I do not know if I would be in church tonight if it was not for these people and their prayers and their counsel. And I'm not into hyperbole. I mean exactly what I'm saying. And I know exactly what I'm saying. And they're wonderful, wonderful people. In fact, the last time I preached Kansas camp, was in 1996, and they came up to uh, to be with us at that camp meeting there, and at that camp meeting, and I, I was pastoring in Arroyo Grande, California. Had been there 12 years, and uh, and uh, she came up to me. She said, "Brother Booker, before the end of the year, within six months, your world is going to be completely different from what you understand it right now." And and God is fixing to do something very, very huge and big in your life. Now, you know, (laughs) that kind of, okay. And within six months before, by November 3rd, uh, I left a place I never wanted to leave. I loved very, very dearly. But God called me to go to Rialto, California. And... uh, So that was the biggest change in my life hitherto. And thank you for obeying the Lord because it sure made it easier. In Jesus' name, praise God. Now, if you have something like that for me at this camp, let's just, uh, you know, send me a letter or something. Praise God. (laughs) Just teasing, just teasing. Tell me, tell me. Well, all right. Everybody love Jesus? Let's stand tonight, and if you would, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 6. Oh, yes. The book of John, chapter number 6. Oh, yes. Thank God. Now, I don't know if this rain bothers you folks. I, I know it's flooding in Wichita, and uh, the waters are within about 30 yards of Brother Cornwell's house. I think we ought to say a prayer that he and the saints of God of Wichita do not get flooded out. In fact, let's pray right now. Lord God, you see by the Cornwall, you see the saints of God. We're asking for precious, mighty protection, God. Touch and help and be with your people in a great, grand, glorious way. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Be with them, God. But having said that, in California, it hardly ever rains, and this has been the driest year on record in Southern California, and so when I get out here and I see this and I hear the thunder, it's really neat. It's really neat, and I enjoy it, and I love it very, very, very much. Thank God. Okay. John chapter 6, beginning with verse number 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship. And went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nine to the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whether they went. And uh, let's once more pray and let's ask that our great God would touch us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We are so exceedingly mindful of you and of our need for you. God, only you understand how truly desperate we need you. But God, we have an inkling, we have an understanding. So, God, anoint our hearts and our minds and our souls and talk to us and teach us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, this is uh, familiar territory that we have uh, read from here tonight. We are familiar with this story. We understand that the book of John is not the only gospel that deals with this situation. There are Luke and Mark and Matthew all touch on it, some to greater degrees than others. The book of John is very, very unique in that it does tend to give us insights into many, many things that the synoptic Gospels uh, leave out. That does not mean that they are less. It just means that in the wisdom of God, He wanted us to see every aspect, amen, possible that we could. Now, he, He understands that His Spirit sheds light on various things of the Word of the Lord, lest we could not carry our Bibles. You couldn't fit them in a semi-truck. Amen. If he was going to write every thought in minutia that he knew we'd need before we get out of here. But the basic bedrock of all we need to be saved is within these books. And not only to be saved, but to be profitable in our being saved. It's not just enough to be saved. Amen. Though God knows that is important. But He wants us to be productive. He wants to bless. He does want to use His people. After all, we are bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. We are the body of Christ and we are the members in particular. Nobody enjoys, amen, an arm or a leg that has gone to sleep. We'll shake it. We'll do anything that we can to get the blood back rushing into it. Just the numbness alone and just that minor incapacity, amen, is enough to throw us off. We like it when we're functioning and we're functioning well. Can I tell you that God, amen, and we're made in His image, feels exactly the same. I don't want to get sidetracked, but I cannot even begin to imagine... And how and why he puts up with us as he does is so beyond me. It just his love is so overpowering, is the only thing that I can figure. Amen. But I cannot imagine the frustration that Almighty God must have much of the time with the body with which he has to work. How do we, how closely do we really listen? How how much are we really walking in the Spirit of God? How dull are our senses, amen. How much do we miss? How many folks, amen, could have, should have been saved if we had just listened to that still, small voice, amen. And on and on and on and on I could go. But any kid six weeks out of Bible school can get any congregation on earth under condemnation. Amen. And that's not what I'm here to do. And I do believe that God wants to help us tonight. So in light of this, we go back, amen, to this familiar story of the disciples in the ship, in the sea, in the storm, and the wonderful things that God did that night in their lives. I lean on your familiarity, but nevertheless, I do want to rehearse some things. We know that he had fed multitudes. Upon doing so, he compelled them to get into the ship. Now, I, I, I would like to point out to you that the reason the multitudes were there because, was because prior to the multitudes showing up is when he had sent the disciples out by two and two. And he gave them power and authority over unclean spirits. Amen. And, and power to heal. And he told them to preach the kingdom, amen, of God. And so they went out. He also stripped them down. They, 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 he took from them their purse. He took from them their money. Amen. And, and, and everything that they could lean on. He said when you go into a city, you, you ask who's worthy and you go and you stay there. And, and on and on and on and on and on. So, so they had nothing, nothing, nothing to lean on but the Spirit of Almighty God. And they did not yet have the Holy Ghost. So this was a new experience. And he wanted to teach them that if you're going to get anything done, it's going to be not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. So he shook them down. He took their wallets. He took their credit cards. He took their money. He took the bread that they might have been carrying. Amen. They, they had nothing, but he did give them a brother. He sent them out by two and two. Amen. And He gave them power. Can I tell you something? Don't ever negate the power of a brother. Don't ever negate the power of fellowship. Hallelujah. Don't ever negate, amen, the value of a friend. And God puts somebody in your life. You better take care of that friendship. Amen. If God brought somebody into your world that you can talk to them and they can talk to you, can I tell you, you better take care of that. That is a gift of Almighty God. Amen. So all they had was their fellowship and their God. And they went into those cities. Amen. And we won't take all of the time to, to picture it up and imagine what it must have been like. And and the Simon Peter's stepping up and, and, and he's got his brother Andrew with him and and, and the people aren't paying no attention to him. He's, he's out there in the marketplace and they're going their way and they're, they're, they're peddling their wares and they're making their deals and, and And then he kicks over a few baskets and he, hey, 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 listen up. Everybody look over here. This man's got something to say to you. Okay, Andrew, it's all yours. And so, Andrew, you've never done this before. Hear ye, hear ye. He was dredging up in his mind things he'd heard the kingdom <clears throat> kingdom of god is at hand and he starts talking while he's talking something starts happening amen and that which was prophesied of old amen is coming to pass in our day and from the days of John the Baptist and man now he's he's on a roll and stuff's just pouring out of him and Simon is saying where did he get all that stuff? And Andrew's saying, Where am I getting all this stuff? And it's just pouring out of him. And he is having a time. And about the time he's preaching his heart out, and Simon Peter's feeling himself get all stirred up. And then he says, Okay, I'll take it from here. And Simon Peter starts preaching. About that time, somebody shows up with a six foot eight, and I'm six foot six. Amen. 350 pound, and I'm not, by the mercies of God devil-possessed man that is snarling and frothing and reaching and grabbing and they've got him leashed to five chains and they're bringing him to him and Simon Peter sees him and he says, it's all yours Andrew and, and as the, that demon is coming towards him, he says in the name of God get out of here and he falls over in a heap, and the demons are gone. And Andrew says, what happened to him? Now, we know he didn't say in Jesus' name, because in Luke 22, Jesus said, hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. So they didn't have the revelation of Jesus' name at that point, but 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 that demon was cast out, and then, and then here came somebody else with a problem, and he, he, he laid hands on them, and they were healed. And then somebody else, and there was more and more and more. And then Simon Peter says, look, yeah, let me get on this. And he's doing it. And so I said all that, 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 that scenario, as best we can paint it, amen, was repeated by the other disciples that went out by two and two. And they came back to Jesus, and you can read it in the book of Mark. They told him all that they had done, and all that they had taught. No word of thanks, no thank you, no appreciation. Their food had been provided for. The place of their boat had been provided for. The power of Almighty God had been provided for. But all they could talk about was what they had done. And what they had taught. They should have came back and fell on their faces and said, Lord God omnipotent that reigneth watched over us through the power that you imbued to us. But they didn't. And so then here came through their foot out of all cities. All these people, they were the direct result of these men's preaching and their success. And now Jesus teaches them and he looks. These guys are sitting back there. They're not paying attention to what Jesus is teaching. They're still thinking about all they had done and all they had done. And they're swapping stories about the demons they had cast out and and all the works they had wrought. So finally... Jesus turned around to him and said, okay, big boys. All right. Mighty apostles. Feed them. You told me all you'd done, all you'd taught. Well, let's see it. Put it in action. Feed them. Hey. Do what? Feed them. Philip, what do you got? We got 200 penny worth. <clears throat> we could buy 200 days' wages worth of food, but you got 5,000 people out there, little and women and ch- men, little and women and children. You got 15, 20,000 people. If we feed them out of what we got, it won't be, but every man should take a little. Can I tell you something? Anytime we attempt to feed this world out of our minuscules' abilities, they're going to go away with the crumbs. And that's what happens to people all over this nation. They go to church after church after church around this nation. And they're fed out of somebody's intellect. And they're fed out of somebody's human spirit. And that's why they're going their way with nothing but crumbs. And that's one reason, amen, churchianity is dying in this nation. Because people are tired of it. But if somewhere, amen, Jesus said, 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 and, and here came Andrew and he brought a boy with five loaves and two little fishes. Amen. And he began to bless and break. What little we have, brethren, if we'll give it to Jesus and say, here it is. And let him bless it. And let him break it. If the word of God that we feed, if the presence of Almighty God will be with us, I'm here to tell you, there's not a city that cannot be fed. There's not a county that cannot be fed. There's enough to go around for everybody. And he blessed and break and he blessed and break and he said the people sat down in companies of 50 and 100 and they fed 5,000 men let alone the women and the children. And somewhere somebody should have said Jesus, look what you did for us. But they still didn't catch it. So he compelled them to get in the boat while he sent the multitudes away. They didn't want to go Compelled, Compelled means he made them do what they didn't really want to do. He compelled them. And then he went to pray. And he said, big boys, mighty apostles, powerful men, feeders of thousands, do you think you can make it across that lake? We be fishermen. We have traversed this lake a thousand times. I can see Simon Peter. Put a blindfold on me. See if I can do it. (laughs) Okay. That's all you got to do in your human power. Go across the lake. Will do. Gotcha. Where are you going, Jesus? Jesus. I'm going to go pray. What you going to pray about? You'll find out quickly. <laughs> and they put up the sail. And they move them out to sea. And then the wind dies. That ain't no big deal. We got oars. We got strong backs. We've done this before. We're old hands at this. And it's Simon Peter at the helm, stroke, stroke, stroke. The wind's picking up. Stroke harder. We're stroking. And the Bible said, amen, that they toiled in rowing. The winds became so boisterous and the waves so wild. And I don't, I don't play Greek word games, but the word toiled in rowing literally in the Greek means they strained Every nerve. They were fighting it. They were going nowhere. They were 25 to 30 furlongs. And in one of the Gospels, that means they were in the midst of the sea. They were in the middle of the lake. And with the wind screaming and howling and the waves roaring, amen, no doubt they were frightened, they were scared, they were doing their best to get out of that mess. When all of a sudden they see something and they supposed it had been a spirit, they thought it was an apparition, they thought they were being visited by a dead person, a ghost, a demon, something. Came walking on the water. And can I tell you, Jesus was not giving it this? Woo, coming down this wave. Woo. Somehow, in the midst of the wind and the wave, he's just cutting the path, strolling through the storms of life. Can I tell you something? Nothing makes God nervous, nothing gets him uptight. He does not bite his nails. Amen. When the F5 hits, brother, he's all got it in control. And while he's walking on the water, and they supposed it had been an apparition, they begin to scream. Now, hitherto they'd asked nothing in his name. They did not say, Jesus, help us. They didn't have the revelation of his name or the power of it. And I can't tell you what I probably did say. The same thing we say. Only we've got the revelation in the name of Jesus. The car's about to hit us. It's Jesus! They didn't have that revelation. I have no doubt they said, God, help us! And he answered, it is I, be not afraid. He said, how do you know that? Because in, in the Greek, where he said it is I, in the Greek, what he literally said is I am that I am. God, help us! It is I. Be not afraid. And he steps aboard the boat and he says, Peace, be still. Amen. And you can read it in the book of Mark. They were sore, amazed, and wondered because They considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. You read it for yourself. He put them on that storm because they came back and told him all they had done and they had taught. Amen. And when he provided food for 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people, they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves. They were still stuck on their role and what they had done. So he said, okay, 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 okay. We'll wake you up some way somehow. Can I tell you, God's got ways of catching our attention. I'll put you in a storm like you ain't never been in a storm. You're going to cry out from the depths of your tormented soul, and I will come on the scene. And you'll never again take life for granted. You'll never take the blessings for granted. You'll never. Can I tell you one thing about storms and trials and troubles and traumas? Brother, when good times come, you don't take them for granted. Hallelujah. And I know that Brother Godare has a fabulous church and a fabulous ministry. and doing fabulous things for God. But I know this man. And can I tell you? He don't take nothing for granted. He remembers the storms and the trials and the heartaches and the tears. And God's been good to Larry Booker. But I'm going to tell you something. I remember, I'm going to tell you something, this is public and this is on tape and let her rip. I want every young preacher, I would to God every young preacher in America could hear it. Can I tell you, amen, that being in the ministry is more than nice houses and fine cars and nice suits. Brother, somewhere you're going to suffer and there ain't nobody going to be able to protect you from it. I'm going to tell you how we made it in Miami, dealing with our 30 people. And one time we had great revival, and it got up to 80. And in two weeks, it went down to 19. And we went back to praying and fasting. I'm talking about, and I'm not bragging. I'm talking about weeks of fasting. I'm talking about long enough, you lose 50 pounds. And I wasn't in it to lose the weight. I didn't need to lose it then. Morning gets so bad. I'm talking about laying on the floor at night. My oldest son, my assistant pastor now, he'll tell anybody that wants to hear it. His earliest memories are watching his daddy laying on the floor of that church and crying night after night. And I'm going to tell you something, Brother Con. The things you went through with that lion spirit. I told Brother Guder today when you were talking, to, I said, I laid on the floor with my Bible. And I tried to disprove this one God, Jesus name, apostolic holiness message. I tried to find fault with it. The problem is I had the Bible. It's all I had to work with. And you can't get around it. It's there. And there ain't nobody going to get it out. you got to repent of your sins. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to receive the Holy Ghost speaking in another tongue. There is but one God and His name is Jesus. And without holiness, there ain't nobody going to see God. And there ain't nothing going to take it out of the Bible. And I never forgot those days. And by the grace of God, I will never forget those days. When the only way body and soul was kept together. A family in our church, we were the poorest people in that church. They were the next to the poorest. The first year that I preached, the money I got from preaching and the money I had to put in and made mention last night, I made 44 cents of service. 100 bucks the whole year. So I had a job. But even then, I had to put most of that into the kingdom. And it was something. And it really was. It was poor preach, poor prayer. I i, I confess unto thee. Hallelujah. And and there we were. And the way we made it was saints of God would go to the back of the store, the Safeway store, and they'd go through the dumpster, and they'd find outdated food, and they'd get it, and they'd bring and give us half. And that's how we lived. Amen. So number one, I'm never going to forget those days. And number two, when people see me driving a nice truck and a nice car, and by the mercies of God, we live in a nice house, that's fine. But you'll ne- Let me. I wish I could take you back, brother. Only thing I can tell you is God's a good God, and God's a faithful God, and God's a mighty God. And as, as long as I'll never forget, i got a word for you, God will never forget either. And so, in the middle of that storm that ceased, that stopped, in the middle of the sea, John tells us something the other apostles do not remark upon. Verse 21, then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land. So we find here that not only is sickness at his command and they were amazed and said the wind and the waves are at his command as well as sickness is at his command and disease is at his command and even death is under his control. But apparently he can do things with gravity and time And space and distance. Because one second, we're in the middle of a troubled sea. And the sea stops. But we feel one more bump. And we're at shore. We've come to our destination that quick. We were rowing. We were toiling and rowing. We were straining every nerve. We couldn't get halfway across the lake. We were stuck. We couldn't go nowhere. But when he came on the scene, can I tell you something? It pays to get him on board. Amen. I got a list of things that I keep writing. I add to it all the time. I got things in the secular world I want to see. I got a, I got a list of them in my computer. I, I, I'm sorry. I want, I want to see Alexander the Great whoop up on Darius I, Darius II. I want to see him beat him in the two great battles. I want to see that. I want to see Lincoln give the Gettysburg Address. I really do want to see that. I want to see that soldier find that, that message at Antietam that saved the Union Army. I want to see. There's a lot of things I want to see. i got a list of them. But i got a much bigger list scripturally, and this is one of them. The first thing I want to see is Calvary. The second thing I want to see is creation. And it goes on down. I want to see them look on their faces when they hit that shore. And they saw a new aspect of Jesus they'd never seen before. Anybody ever been in the middle of the ocean of life and you were toiling, you were straining every nerve, and you couldn't get nowhere? Amen. Has anybody ever, in the course of living for God, uttered these words? How long, oh God? How long? How long before revival? How long before we get the money to build? How long before we get in the building? How long before we're running 50 or 100 or 150 or 200 or 300? How long, oh God, how long is it going? How long before this sickness goes? How long, amen, before the finances? How long before that family gets off my back? How long when you're rowing and you're giving it your best shot and it doesn't seem like you're going anywhere? How long? Is this situation, this problem, this trial, this hope. How long for this sickness is healed? How long before that dream you gave me? How long before that prophecy? How long before it comes to pass? How long? I won't ask for a show of hands of people that have wondered how long. I would like to stop and say we're not the only one that asks the question. It's a two-way street. Hallelujah. But we can't ask it. And we got good company. David, Psalm 6. Have mercy upon me, God. I'm weak. Heal me. My bones are vexed. My soul is sore vexed. But Thou, O Lord... How long, 13, 1 and 2, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? How long will you hide your face from me? How long, amen, will I take counsel in my soul? How long, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemies be exalted? 89, 46, how long will you hide yourself? 94, 3, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they say and other hard things? Habakkuk 1 and 2, how long shall I cry? There's a lot of good people that have cried, How long you're not alone, you got good company. Right. But just don't forget, God asks it as well. Sixteen twenty eight the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments? And my law, Numbers 14, 11, how long will this people provoke me? How long before they believe me? Verse 27, how long shall I bear with this congregation? Psalms 4, 2, how long, you sons of men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long, amen, will you love vanity? Matthew 17, 17, how long, faithless and perverse generation? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer Maybe we better stop and look at ourselves and say, God, what are you asking me? How long before you start teaching Bible studies? How long before you go on that fast God's been dealing with you about? How long before you get a steady prayer life? How long before you take this thing as serious as He? How long? How long? How long, how long, how long? And so sometimes we can be brethren like the pastor. I read one time of a church secretary. pastor went into his office. He went by, didn't say hi, didn't say bye, didn't say nothing. Went into her church office and a little bit, heard slam, bam, boom. Something hit the wall, something hit the floor, something hit the ceiling. Something, something, slam, something. And then the assistant pastor come in. What's going on? I don't know. Wham! Bam! Crash! Ah! Slam! Bam! Crash! Bam! Anybody in there with him? I hope not. Then it got real quiet. Should you go check on him? You go check. And then they heard the door creak open. And he came out. And he was disheveled. And he was clenching his hands. And they said, Pastor, anything wrong? Yes, there's something wrong. Can we ask what? Yes. The problem is, I'm in a hurry and God isn't. You have been there? How long? How long? How long? Hallelujah. Can I tell you this is why Romans 2 says God's going to render every man according to his deeds, according to his rowing. Brothers and sisters, please listen to me. Most, everybody say most. Not all, but most spiritual destinations that we strive for. They are arrived at by the dogged day by day march of the feet. You just got to keep walking every day. You got to keep rowing every day. If the wind's at your back, throw up the sail and rejoice. Hallelujah. If the wind is dead still, then bring out the oars. If the wind's fighting to get you, you don't get out of the business. You keep on rowing. You keep on fighting. You keep hanging in there. Most destinations in God, we get there by a dog a day by day destination. This is why I said in Romans 2, he'll render to every man according to his deeds or according to his rowing. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory, honor, immortality, eternal life. NIV says to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. They hang in there, baby. They do not stop. We know that scripturally, amen. Abraham lived to be 175 years of age. Scripturally, and I know God probably talked to him more, but all we've got is the biblical record that God talked to Abraham, the father of the faith, eight times. Eight times. Sometimes it was a week apart. Sometimes it was five years apart. Sometimes it was longer. Sometimes it was 25 years apart. But if you spread those eight times over 175 years, what you come up with on average is on average, he heard from God every once, every 21 and a half years. So what did the father of the faithful do in between every 21 and a half years? I'm going to tell you what he did. He kept on walking. And in between those times, when we hear that rima of God, and there's that sweet visitation, i tell you what you do. You keep on walking, brother. And you keep on rowing. And you keep on working. And you keep on praying. And you keep hanging in there. And you say, by the grace of God, we're getting across this lake. By the grace of God, we're going to win this city. By the grace of God, we're going to fill this church. By the grace of God, we're going to get another building. By the grace of God, we're pressing on day by day by day by day. But, and this, I feel so strong to preach this tonight. But there are times when you're in the middle of the storm and you're wondering which way you're going to go and how's it going to come out. And will I ever get to my desired haven? And out of the blue, He steps on board. The peace comes. And before you know it, it's... And there's things happening. And you are there. Such as when the Lord in Acts 8 said to Philip, Arise, get towards the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is in the desert. And he arose, he got up, and he went. He walked and, he walked, and 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 he walked. And he went from that great Samaritan revival down into Gaza. And there he saw an Ethiopian eunuch. Amen, under Queen Kandassi. Amen. Reading. We know the story. Do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I accept some man shows me? He gets up into the chariot. He preaches Jesus unto him. And somewhere in the course of preaching Jesus, isn't it funny that he preached Jesus and he mentioned somewhere in their baptism in Jesus' name? I don't understand people that can preach Jesus and they never get around to baptism in Jesus' name. Philip somehow got it in there in just a, in a 20 minute Bible study. And he said, Well, look, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? If you believe, brother, you can do it right now. They went down into the water. How long did it take him to get from Samaria to Gaza? I do not know, but it was not overnight. And now God wanted him to go to Azotus and we keep preaching. They come up out of the water. Amen. And according to the Codex Sinaiticus, he starts speaking in tongues. That's cool comes out baptized in Jesus' name. I have no doubt God filled him, but that's and he sees Philip's face. And Philip sees him. Ah! Where is that guy? And Philip's the next thing you know, he sees us. He says, well, hey, 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 sir, where am I? You're at Azotus. Azotus? How'd I get there? I mean, I said, I don't know how you got here. What do you mean, how'd you get here? He said, you ever heard of Jesus Christ? Heard the name. Heard a lot about him. I know him. You want to hear some more about him? And he starts preaching Jesus at Azotus. He didn't have to walk. He didn't have to hitch a ride. He didn't have to buy a ticket. Amen. It's just like moving that ship. Amen. To the shore. When God wants to move, honey, you just get ready because he can move. He can move when he wants to move. God's big, God's mighty, and my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. When I was in Miami, I, I, uh, I got 13 hours of tape of Brother David Lee Floyd, the early, early days of Pentecost, and he told me about, amen, Sister LaFleur, well, well-known story. I know you've heard this, Brother Cornwell down in Louisiana, well-known story back down there of Sister Lafleur and her sister that lived. Together prior to her marrying Brother Lafleur, and I can't think of her maiden name, but at any rate, there she was, and and she was the church piano player, and they lived about three miles from the church back in those piney woods, and and Sister Lafleur, she got on the piano at home, little old rickety thing, and she was playing, and she got in the Holy Ghost, and she was playing a gospel song, and and her sister kept saying, "Come on, honey, come on, we gotta we gotta go to church. You gotta you gotta play at the church," but she was worshiping, and she was lost in loving God, and play on that piano. We got to get dressed, honey. We got to go. And She, kept, she, she finally said, well, I'm going to church. <laughs> and so she leaves her playing and she walks down through the piney woods and after a three mile walk she starts coming up towards the church house and she hears in the distance music playing. Somebody's playing the same song Maud was playing. And she gets closer, playing that song just like Maud. She walks into the church house, and there's Maud LeFleur playing the song. And she's in her church clothes, dressed and ready to go, and still lost in the Holy Ghost. And my God is the same yesterday, today and forever now I'm going to tell you something when it comes church time get dressed and get ready and get out there but I'm also here to tell you we're serving a mighty big God and a powerful God and when it comes to the Holy Ghost there ain't nothing more important than being in the Holy Ghost when it's time to be in the Holy Ghost if you'll get in the Holy Ghost my God will take care of everything how long oh God Times it's just God said, how long before we commit ourselves to the sea of God's love and God's word and God's provision. Got a very, very good friend. Amen. You know him well, Brother Bob Myers. Precious man. I love him. And Brother Myers, his aunt, his, his dear, 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 dear aunt. Amen. <laughs> Tittle Myers. His aunt's name was Tittle Myers. And she used to be in old Brother Mangum, not G.A. Mangum. G.A. Mingham's dad in Plymouth, Indiana. Great church, 37 preachers came out of that church. And she was there, amen, under Elder, Elder Mangum. And she loved church. Her husband was not in church. And he didn't like the church. So he moved her from that church and from that city. And he made it a point to move to a town where there was no one God, Jesus' name, apostolic church anywhere near her. Tilda, Tilda Myers. And Tilda was so hungry. She was so starving. She was so desperate. So, one night, she'd been there many, many months. In those days, in those days, and I hardly ever, ever, ever call a denominal church name. I hardly ever did. it. There's more to be lost than gained. I just preach the gospel. But I will tonight. She was going to go to the Nazarene church because in those days, the Nazarene people were at least... Holiness. Because they'd come out of the Methodist church because the Methodist church was getting too worldly. So the Nazarenes. And so she went to the Nazarene church. And they were there. And there was still modesty and holiness along that lines. And uh, she got there. And God started moving. She started worshiping. But as soon as she was on her feet, last thing she noticed, some of the other people starting to get on their feet. People started worshiping. And then she got lost in the Holy Ghost. She was drinking it yet. She was drowning in it. She was just gone. And she opened her eyes. And there in the, in the pulpit was Brother Mangum. And there was... Sister Susie, amen, and Sister Jane and Brother Bob and the saints of God. And they were all worshiping God. And everybody was just lost in the Holy Ghost, loving God with all of her heart. And then Tilda came to. She was laying on the floor. She knew she'd been as drunk as Cooter Brown in the Holy Ghost. And she opened her eyes and there was that Nazarene preacher bent over looking at her. And when she focused in on him, he said, Who in the world are you anyway? She said, Tilda Myers. Where are you from? I'm here for now in town. Will you please come back? We've not had a move of God like that in years and years and years. And then Tilda went home. And here about 10 days, two weeks, she gets a letter in the mail from Sister Susie. Sister Tilda, where did you go? It was so good to see you in church. Gave the date. The Holy Ghost hit that place like crazy. We were worshiping. It was wild and woolly. And then, next thing we knew, you was gone. Brother Mangum wanted to say hello to you. Where in the world did you go? Why would you get out of there so quick? Because the Holy Ghost moved her in. And the Holy Ghost, can I tell you something? He heals the sick. He opens blinded eyes. But time and space and gravity, it's all in his bailiwick. Revival is in his bailiwick. You hear me? The glory of God. It's all there! And it's ours! What do you do, brother? You keep on walking, you keep on rowing, you keep on praying, but you keep on believing because God's big and God's mighty and God's powerful and He knows when to bring it home, He knows what to do, He knows how to produce the miracles, He knows how to bring revival. He's mighty! How long, oh God? Let's all stand. How long? Musicians come. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel like the Holy Ghost is talking to us. We're the people upon whom the ends of the world have come. My God's going to do a quick work. He's going to cut it short in righteousness. Be ready. Be excited. I, I've told this a few times. I'm very careful. Because I know it is so open to interpretation. And I've lived long enough. I, I've heard, I'm going to tell you something. One of the kinder things in my world I've heard is that I'm a big naked chicken with two feathers. That's child's play compared to some of the stuff. I'd been glad to be called a big chicken with two feathers naked. Naked rooster. Well, that does help. Hallelujah. That would be mild compared to some of the stuff I've heard in Binda. But I'm going to tell you something God knows. When I, when I took that church, Sister Shalda, and I know and you know, and God knows, the things you told me in the Holy Ghost that God was going to do in that church. She wouldn't say a word to me when I called her about taking that. Ch- when when they, I had a church running about two twenty. I loved it. I loved the church. I loved the place. I loved the city. I loved living in the country. I loved all of it. I loved her house. I loved. I loved it all. And Brother Price called me and Brother Buxton and Steve called me about going to Rialto. That at that time was running about 30. And I said, I appreciate the call. I really do. I appreciate you thinking of me. But the answer is no. They said, well, Brother Booker, won't you even pray about it? I said, I'll pray about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's 99.9%. No. That was on Friday. By the next Thursday, I was so miserable. I couldn't even see straight. And I knew. I always knew I'd pastor a third church. I always knew that. But I'd hoped I could build a new auditorium in Arroyo. And somehow that would get me off the hook. But I always figured a third church would be like I saw in a dream years and years before, a great, powerful, mighty, fabulous church. Not, not what Rialto was. But he knew. And, and, and when I said yes to God, and I said, yes, it's Brother Price, Brother Buxton. And then I called Sister Chanel. Then she said, now I'm going to tell you some things to watch happen. Thank you. And then Brother Price said, oh, now once I committed, he said, he told me what he felt. I knew what it was, brethren, to be in Miami to work and pray and give myself. Get it up to 80 to watch it go down to 19. And you saw all of that. Pray and fast and fast and pray and fast and work. Do everything known to a Holy Ghost man to see revival. Get it back up to 80 and in two weeks again see it go down to 19. If it wasn't for a dream that God gave me I think I'd have lost my mind. I really think I'd have lost my mind. But God did, in His mercy, show me a lot of it. So now, it's 25 years later, 20 years later, and I'm back, 30 people. We work and we pray and we fast. I remember standing in the pulpit. I'd been there a few weeks and I'd heard a story about a little girl that had a magic ball of golden string. And brethren, sisters, brothers, you can relate to this. This little girl found out that whenever she'd unwind some string, the golden thread time would just scoot up. And she'd be through her trauma. And every time something difficult happened, she'd pull out a more string. But she said before she knew it, She had a tiny piece of thread left and she was an old, old, little old lady and she didn't know what happened. Point being, savor the moment whether you understand it or enjoy it or not. But I told our church, I said, I wish I had that ball of string I'd at least pull off two years' worth so we could be down the road a ways. Well, I've been there now over 10. And I guess God took me at my word and gave me a golden thread. Because time's screaming. This is what I hardly ever tell. And I know it's subject talking, but I'm just going to tell you. Let me hear me out. This is the way it was on this occasion. My wife was back in Tulsa. We'd finally hit, we were running about 80. One Sunday morning, and everybody was blown away. There was 160 people there. And not from any one area. They were just, there was just, there was just 160 people there. There were sinners. There were people that moved into town. There was, there was just 180 people. There was backsliders. I mean, I'm 60. I called my wife. I said, you'll never believe how many people was in church today. She said, how many? I said 160. As God is my witness, it went down one time to 121. It never went below 160 from that day except for one time. And it was different faces. Every week it was different faces. It was visitors coming out of the woodwork. I'm telling you. But the number never went down. And God would glean and God would move. And in one weekend, a number doubled. You know, that went a long way towards taking away those 80 going down to 19. Brethren, you hang in there because I'm telling you, this God rules the waves. Space, gravity, revival. He's got it all. And I'm not... wall, it was over 200. And then And then 300. Jesus stopped, stopped, and just... On and on. Ask me, I don't know. But you hear me. I'll tell you this much. Larry Booker has never forgot where he came from. a God I never will. But I am here to tell you, Brother Riggins, he rules the wind and the waves. He runs Oletha, Kansas. Not the devil, my God, runs Oletha. And God! God sees his people and he knows exactly where they're and my God knows when to open the windows of heaven. And the devil does not run Wichita. Jesus Christ runs Wichita. And God almighty sees Topeka. He's never got it out of his mind from the foundation of the world let alone 1901. And God sees Durham, and He knows your church is maxed out. I don't know where you put all those. I don't know how you do it. I get, huh? and I know the frustrations on all those buildings and the land. I wonder what in the world God's done, brother. Go there. He knows. And I got a feeling when He does, what He's going to do. It's gonna blow your mind and everybody else's mind, and you're gonna see that. I'm glad that fell through. I'm glad that didn't. Work. I'm glad because my Jesus, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and every single building in America, knows when and where and how to do it. And God sees your neighbor. God sees that Bible study. I'm closing. Psalms one hundred and seven, Brother Godair, begin reading at verse twenty-three. They that go down to the seas, sea in ships. They that go down to the sea and ships. in ships. We are doing business in great waters, brethren. These see the works of the Lord. These see the works of God. And, his in the deep. and we see His wonders in the deep. Boy, he commands. He raises the stormy wind. The stormy wind. Up the waves. Lifts up the wave. Up to the heavens. I mount to the heaven. Down, the Down to the depths. Our, soul our souls are melted because of, of the we troubles. We reel to and fro. We, to and fro. Stagger like we stagger like drunk men. At we add our wits in. And we cry. To God in our trouble, He sees your distress, He sees your frustrations, He sees your tears. I, I don't have a time clock, I don't know when and where, and how, but I'm telling you, my God knows He never changes His word, He the storm a calm, and the calm. Are still. they are glad because they be quiet. And they're glad. Bring unto their he does what? He them unto their desired haven. Let's lift our hands right now. Picture your desired haven in your mind. I know heaven's our ultimate goal. And I understand that. And that is our desired haven. But God, between here and there, make your body effective. Oh, God, help us to see your grace and your glory. I promise I am stopping. I'm going to say one last thing. Brother Emerson talked about that lady last night, 86 years old. I'm closing. I'm stopping. I was preaching in Louisiana, 03. My good friend, Ronnie Lacombe, he said, Larry, he said, you know, Brother Davis, Elton, I know Brother Davis well. He said, I got to tell you something. This is an 03. He said, just a few months ago, he gets a phone call. A lady calls him. He can tell the woman on the other end of the line is up in years. And the woman with a little bit shaky voice, you can tell she's a little elderly, said, are you a minister? Yes. Are you free to come and pray for my mother? He thought, your mother? He said, yes, I'd be happy to. She said, no, I do need, I'm sorry, what kind of preacher are you? He said, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. She said, good, 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 that's the kind my mother wants. Wants a Pentecostal preacher. Gave the address. He shows up. An elderly woman. Obviously in her 70s, and it's not too elderly, it's just getting younger all the time. She opens the door. She said, my mother's in the back. On the way back, she said, I know my mother is 102. We don't know exactly. We think she might be 103. And uh, she's just not been doing well. She wants a Pentecostal preacher to pray for her. So he goes back, and there on the bed is a little tiny shriveled up darling. They talk for a while. He begins to pray for her. In the process of praying for her, she straightens out. She lifts her voice. She begins speaking in other tongues. The Spirit of God gives the utterance. After a while, she stops, and they're talking, but she's animated. She's alive. She's excited. And they keep talking, and finally, he says, "Uh, uh, can I ask you something? She said, yes. He said, you have spoken other tongues before, haven't you? No, this is the first time. But I've wanted this all my life. He couldn't believe it. Brother Davis pastors in Elton, Louisiana. Where David Floyd and Charlie Smith went in 1915 and preached the Elton Bible Conference where the name of Jesus and the oneness of God message hit Louisiana. And every Pentecostal church in Louisiana went after the one God Jesus name message. They took everybody down to Powell's Pond. You've probably seen the picture painted by Sister Agnew of the cars on the bank and and the weeping willow trees and the trees with the moss hanging down and the people out in the water baptizing them in Jesus' name. She said, I've wanted this since I was 15. And he said, no, 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 well, I'll just back up. He said, you've never had this before. She said, no. They're talking along. She said, listen, is there anything else I need to do to make sure that I'm right with God? He said, well, yes, ma'am there is you need to be baptized in Jesus name she grabbed him and pulled him down she said you baptize in Jesus name he said yes ma'am she said I've waited for you for 75 years come to find out she'd waited 89 years He said, what do you mean? She said, when I was 15 years old, which meant she was 103. She said, I was walking through the piney woods. And I started hearing worship, laughter, singing, praises. I began walking through the woods, getting closer and closer. And the closer I got, the more I felt. I felt something I'd never felt before in my life. And I stood on the edge of Powell's Pond. I saw cars on the bank. I saw people in the water. And they were distinctly making a big deal out of baptizing everybody in Jesus' name. And people were speaking in tongues and laughing and shouting. And she said, I wanted what they had so bad. And I wanted to run over there and say, please. She said, but I thought maybe I need to ask my parents first. She said, so I ran all the way home. Ran into the house excited. And my parents said, don't you ever go near those Pentecostal people. They're of the devil. She said, so I never went around. She said, but I never forgot what I felt. And she said, through the years, many times I would stop and I would pray and I would say, God, I beg you, please, don't let me die without what they got. And she said, And now you're here. Eighty-nine years later. How long, oh God? How long? He said, ma'am, I'll be thrilled to baptize you. She pulled him closer. Will you baptize me in Powell's Pond? He said, ma'am, I don't even know who owns Powell's Pond. She said, but you'll find out, won't you? Please? After many, many, many phone calls, signing waivers and papers and everything else, he took that 103-year-old darling in his arms, out in Powell's Pond carrying her, and he said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you for the remission of your sins. And he went all the way under the water with her and brought her up. And she came out of the water again, worshiping and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And a month later, Jesus took her home.